Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. I want to talk to you about comebacks today. So um, recently found out that I'm a terrible parent. Um, this is what happens when you read books on parenting. You, f- you find out that there are things that you should have been doing that you're not doing and things that you've always been doing that you need to stop doing immediately. And, uh, and you just kind of hope that your kids turn out all right. And uh, one thing I found out I was doing as a parent that ended up is really bad I love investing confidence into my kids, and so I, I heap on them a lot of praise, and I heap on them a lot of, well, a lot of confidence. You know, like, for example, um, I tell Zane that he's smart. I tell him he's smart. I, I, I tell him, hey, when he figures out a math problem or he pronounces a word right, I go, hey, man, you're a genius, um, and uh, he loves that. And, uh, and Justice, he's very competitive, and so I, I like to feed into that, and I tell him, hey, Justice, you're a, you're a winner, man. You're a winner. Um, and so the author of this parenting book was saying, that's a problem. Because what happens is when you praise your child for the result and not for the effort, then the result becomes a part of their identity. And whenever they don't achieve the same result, it doesn't just become a failure, but a challenge to who they are. So in Justice's case, for example, so, so Zane, he's a genius. I see that in my kids because now Zane walks around all the house all the time. And he's just like, hey, guys, I'm a genius. Like he just walks around in the morning. He's just like, hey, what's up? Good morning. What are you having for breakfast? Okay, cool. I need to eat because, you know. Genius, you know, and uh, things that have no correlation, he'll just connect it to his geniosity. And so it's not a word, but I can say it. Um, and, but justice, man, his thing is he's a winner. I used to walk around the house all the time and saying, I'm a winner, I'm a winner, which was not a problem until this past Friday. Because this past Friday, we went in for his third soccer game. And on the way to the third soccer game, he's looking at me and he's like, dad, I got a good feeling about this game. You know, he's singing black eyed peas in the back. This, I got a feeling. He's just, he's just pumped. He's like, I think we're going to win dad. We're going to win. He looked at me, he said, cause I'm a winner. And I said, you know what, man, I think you are going to win because you are a winner. And I said that with some confidence because the first two games that they played, they pretty much destroyed the other team. And Justice is good, but it's really because we got this other kid on our team. His name's Lucas. He's like really, really good, but don't tell Justice that. But Lucas is like, he's good. So, but, so we get there, and so we got Justice, and we got Lucas, and the game is getting great, and we're, and, we're, and, we're, and we're getting, but as soon as we get there, it's this other team, and I don't recognize this team. It's the first time we played this team all season, and this team, they have another player, and this guy is big. I mean, he's six, but like, he had like a beard, and I was like, whoa. Let me get some testing up in here to <laughs> make sure and this kid was I mean our guys were fast but this kid was faster and I'm not kidding it was the first time out and the score was already nine to zero now we don't keep score in baby soccer leagues but how many people know we keep score in baby soccer leagues <laughs> so justice comes out and he's like the score's nine to zero dad but he doesn't come out like in calm or in peace he is literally pulling his hair he's got his hair and he's like I don't understand. He looked at me with tears. He goes, I'm a winner. (laughs) He's like, I'm a winner, and I'm supposed to be winning, and we're not winning, and I don't understand. 
And, and, and me, you know, I don't know how to respond. You know, these are moments as a parent you think, you, you think you're going to know the answer, but then when you really get there, you don't know the answer. And you say sometimes really dumb things that you just got to pray the blood of Jesus over at the end that it doesn't sink in. And I said something so dumb. I was just in my confidence mode because that's me. I'm an overbeliever. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to make you believe in yourself when you probably should stop believing in yourself. Like, I'm that person. I'm going to just keep pushing you. And so I said the dumbest thing. I, I looked at him and I said, you know what? You got to do justice. Because I hadn't really given up yet. You know, I, didn't, I had not accepted the, the L. I said, I said, you know what you got to do, Justice? I said, you got you to tap into your superpowers. <laughs> I told him, I said, you got superpowers, bro. You got to tap into your superpowers. And you're going to get out there and you're going to dominate. And he was excited for a little while. <laughs> Next time out, dude scored another nine goals. <laughs> He comes in, and he is crying, this time harder than the last time. And he says to me, he goes, Dad, he goes, uh, um, I don't think I have superpowers, Dad. <laughs> or, <laughs> he says, or, he goes, I don't think I have superpowers, or, uh, I don't know what they are, because running fast is not one of them, is <laughs> what he said to me. And I was like, hey, that's the problem. It's web. That's your, that's your, but just shoot webs at everybody, just, it's just, just, you know, and now, and now that time, now by that moment, I have to, I have to switch the conversation, you know, because, um, by, by, by that, by that point, I've, I've accepted the loss. We are not winning this game and I need to get my son. I need to shift his mindset from the loss to what to do after the loss. And so I start telling him, I go, I go, I go, Hey, Bobby, guess what, man? I go, I got good news, man. We're not losing. He's like, what? He's like, but I'm pretty sure the score. I said, no, man, we're not losing. I told him, we're getting better. Because now we know what we need to work on. And now we know where we can improve. And now we're going to go home, we're going to practice, and we're going to come back next week, and we're going to give it our best effort. I didn't say we're going to beat that team. I said, I said we're going to come back, and we're going to give it our best effort. And it took about 30 minutes, but he was so pumped. And in the car ride home, he was like, Dad, I want to practice tonight. I was like, well, I'm tired. And he was like, I want to practice tomorrow. And I was like, okay. And he was like, I don't want to practice on Sunday. And I'm like, Sunday's Easter. Stop making an idol out of soccer, all right? Little I didn't tell him that, but um, I kind of did. But anyway, um, growing up in a pastor's house. And so he was so excited, and I thought, wow, he went from quit to come back, all because he got his eyes off the loss and started thinking about what to do after the loss. And I want to succeed today as a pastor where I failed as a parent on Friday. I want to tell you that we're not always going to win in life. In life, you are going to have some losses. And I'm probably going to tell you, you knew that, but I'm probably going to tell you what your coach didn't tell you, what your mom didn't tell you, is that you can even give your best effort. You can even try your hardest and still fail and still fall and still falter. You can go to school, get degrees, and still be unemployed. Come on, somebody. You can come to church and still face trials. You can take all the prenatal vitamins, not miss one doctor's visit, pray, and still lose the baby. But the difference between I quit and I'm coming back isn't the loss. It's what you decide to do after the loss. And so I want to teach you this morning, listen, not how to win. Because no matter how much I teach you how to win, you might not win. I don't want to teach you how to win. I want to teach you how to come back. 
Because I'm understanding the older I get that a comeback is the only thing I have control of. I don't have control over the ref. I don't have control over the score. I don't have control over the competition, but I can't control my effort. I can't control getting knocked down, but I can't control whether or not I choose to get back up. I have to understand, and you have to understand, a comeback is the only thing that we can control. And listen, this is what's so important. When you understand what you can control, Understanding what you can control becomes a source of strength for the seasons of life that you can't control. Knowing that I can't do that, but I can, I can kind of do, I can kind of do this. And so, in order to teach you that how to make a comeback, we're gonna go into the story of the resurrection. We're gonna look at two disciples who were having a chaotic moment. Life, I'm sure, for them felt like it was out of control. Jesus, who they had trusted in, who they believed in, who they loved, he was gone. He was out of the picture. Um, they had no hope anymore. They had no future anymore. They didn't know what to do. It's a chaotic story. It's a catastrophic story, but it's also a comeback story because they don't stay down. And so the first person's life we're going to look at is Mary, Mary Magdalene in the book of Mark, chapter 16, verse 1 through 3. We get another perspective on the same story. Saturday evening, the Bible says, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just as sunrise, they went to the tomb, and on the way there, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Here's the first thing you have to do. Roll away the stone. Say, roll away the stone. If you want to make a comeback, the first thing you got to do is roll away the stone. You know, as a pastor, I go to a lot of funerals. That probably doesn't surprise you. It's actually not one of my favorite parts of the job. I mean, I'm glad that I get to be there for other people in their mourning and encourage them, but it's always a sad affair. So that might not surprise you, but it might surprise you that I've been a pastor for a couple of years now, and I've only ever been to the cemetery once in my entire life. Once in my entire life, and the reason why I remember that is not because it was necessarily so traumatic for me, but it was who, who I went to go visit and who was with me. The only time I ever went to a cemetery was to go visit my, my, my late grandfather. Uh, his name was Grandpa Leo. I didn't really get to know him. I didn't really know him. My, my parents would show me videos, VHS recordings of us. Uh, and it was, and the only video I ever saw of me was like me going to the fridge and like getting him a beer. You know, so there's that, you know what I mean? So, so I'm not complaining. At least I had purpose as a kid. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so I didn't, I, I didn't really know him, you know, but I, but I loved him. And that's not really the reason why I remember that trip to the cemetery. The reason why I remember that trip to the cemetery is because of who was with us. And the person who was with us in the back was actually my uncle, uh, Jose. Now, there's a couple things you got to know about my uncle Jose. Um, I was, maybe it's because I was smaller all my life. But from what I remember growing up, he was just always a big dude, just big, strong, tough and he had a reputation in our neighborhood and, and time, a lot of times he got me out of fights and and uh, because of just being there and, and it was a really helpful thing to have you know and uh, I was always skinny and I was kind of growing up in New York City he gave me advice that kind of saved me from a lot of fights he's like JJ you're skinny you're never going to beat anybody up so you got to just act crazy you just got to be crazy and so I pretty much went sixth through eighth grade with a twitch in my eye just kind of just like looking at people like what you're looking at you know what I'm saying and most of the time um, it worked you know most of the time I could push people around just with a, with a twitch you know but there was uh, one day that there's one kid, his name was Sal. He actually stood up to me and he was like, no, we're going to go fight. And, uh, and I'm so glad I have my Uncle Jose in my life. And because he said, we're going to go fight at 5 p.m. And I was like, we're not fighting at 5 p.m. We're fighting at 3.30. Now, it sounded like I was anxious to fight, but I wasn't. I just knew that my Uncle Jose got out of work at 3 o'clock. 
And he was going to make his way to, the, to, to home, which was so happened to be right across the street from the playground where the fight was going down. So I laid out the location and the time. I was setting him up. And so we got to the playground, man, and, and Jose's running a little late, and, and this dude is he's chasing me around the playground. But, you know, I'm already committed to the crazy character, so I can't break now. And this dude is chasing me around the playground, and I'm just backpedaling. I'm like, you ain't got nothing. You ain't got nothing. You ain't got, you ain't nobody. You better look, you better hold it, you better slow down. You don't want this. You don't want this. You know, when you ever seen a fight that's not really a fight, just waiting for somebody to do something? That was that. It's happening. Until Jose came in, and he said, and I swear it sounded like the glory of God. He said, get off my nephew. I don't know what happened. It was like the Holy Spirit filled me. I just... I just, I was backpedaling for 10 minutes. The moment he got on the court, I was like, that's right, you better back up, bro. You are so lucky my uncle got here. You are lucky my uncle got here. I was about to put it on you. Man, and I was so bold. And I, I share this picture of him, and I want you to see him as this big, tough guy because that's how I saw him. And, and the reason why I remember that trip to the cemetery is because I, I, he was so tough in my eyes, but I have never seen in my life a man to this day cry the way my uncle cried. He took his fist and he pounded it against the back. I remember, I don't know if dad, if you remember, we were there together. He took his fist and he pounded it against the truck and just tears ran down his face saying, why did you have to leave me? Why did you have to leave me? And I guess the reason why it stuck with me was because it was such a contrast how someone so tough on the outside could be so vulnerable on the inside. How somebody so put together on the outside could be so broken on the inside, how somebody so brave on the outside could be so scared on the inside. Also, the irony did not escape me. See, I thought that when his dad died, that it had made him stronger, but I found out that day it didn't. And so it, it, the irony did not escape me that it took a trip to the cemetery for him to realize that what he thought he had overcome, he had actually just buried. Are you hearing me? He had actually just buried. You see, when Jesus died, they put him in a grave and they rolled a big stone over it because that's what happens when things die. We bury them. We cover them. We don't want nobody to see what's going on behind us. And so, and so it's okay to, to cry when you're a little kid. You remember that? I remember my kid crying when he was a baby. I didn't, I didn't care, but when he got up, it wasn't cool. Matter of fact, Liz just said that. We just said this to our boys yesterday, right? At some point in your life, your dad looked at you, if you're a boy, and he told you two words when you were crying, right? What were those two words? Man up. Because men don't cry. Maybe your mom took you in a corner and said, hey, big girls, don't cry. Maybe your friends got you over the side and say, they're trying to help, but they say, hey, man, it's time to just get over it. Just get over it. But when your healing doesn't happen on their timetable, you're forced to move on and roll over the things you never got over. And so we spend our whole life looking and chasing these beautiful stones, but it's not because we love them. It's because we want to use these stones to cover up the dead things that are inside of us. We spend our whole life using all this energy, trying to find these big boulders, telling people that we're trying to build something beautiful, but we're actually just trying to bury something ugly. 
And so we look for the success stone. You know what I'm saying? The success stone. We take the success stone and we roll it over. We look for the fame stone and we, and we, and we roll it over. We look for the brand name stone and the logo stone. We look for the stone that has 4,000 square feet, four bedrooms, three baths, and a big yard stone. And we roll that stone over. And we look for the stone that has 36, 24, 36. And we take that stone and we roll it over. But it's not because we really love the stone. It's because we're trying to hide what's behind the stone. We don't want anybody to see our shame. We don't want anybody to see our pain. And so we cover it with all of these successes. I even know people who, who they found themselves a personal fitness stone. Yeah. They work out five days a week, eat 34 calories a day. Just, they don't even have breakfast. They just take deep breaths. They just, they just that's breakfast. All right, that's good to go. We're ready to, ready to face the day. Just dying physically, trying to look good. But their fitness isn't fitness because they love it. Their fitness is a stone that they're using to bury the fact that their positive self-image died in the fifth grade when Chaz Chasington called them fat. You're fat. I'm going to go date Lisa. And ever since then, something on the inside died. The way you saw yourself died. And instead of trying to get healing, you covered it. You wrapped it up. You didn't want anybody to see what was going on. And so you, now you chase these successes and these titles and these positions and pretend like you don't really hurt on the inside. I got to move on. I got to move on. I got to move on. For some of you, it's not even your successes. It's your dysfunction. Some of y'all are crazy and you know you're crazy. Like, and that's why you're laughing. You're laughing right now because this is the only time you'll be at church, Easter. Why? Because your family has begged you and your family has asked, will you please come to church? Like, you know you got issues and you're laughing because you know that's you. And you do things, listen, and you do things and you intentionally hurt yourself and sometimes you act out and sometimes you make bad choices even though you know that they're bad choices. But the problem isn't your choices. Listen, the problem is that you're using those choices and that dysfunction as a stone so that it can serve as a distraction. So as long as everybody's focused on your dysfunction, they don't have to find out that you're really hurt on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? The way that we act, the way that we behave, it's really just so other people don't get in Side. And I get it. If that's you today, I don't want you to feel bad. I don't want you to feel guilty. I feel you. What choice did you have? The world had moved on. What are you going to live in your hurt? What are you going to live in your pain? Are you going to live in the fact that your father passed away at a young age? Are you going to live in the fact that no one was there to love you? Are you going to live in the fact that you were abused, raped, or molested? Are you going to live in the fact that drugs have had a hold of your life? Are you going to, I get it. There was nothing you could do but bury it. There was nothing you could do but move on. Until... <laughs> Easter morning, because when Jesus came out of his grave, he sent a message to the world that any covered grave on Friday would be an empty grave on Sunday. I love Jesus because Jesus didn't come to cover up. He came to clean out. I love Jesus because with Jesus, you don't have to hide what's dead inside with, 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 a, with a success or a fit. You can just show it to him and he will clean it out. And how many people know there's a difference between covering up and cleaning out? There's a big difference. I learned that as a, as a summer camp counselor uh, for high school boys. It was a Bible camp. There was a girls camp. There was a boys camp at night. The camps would come together for dinner. And these boys, man, I'm going to just tell you, there was, a, there was a joke going around the camp about Axe Body Spray. These boys had no sense of hygiene. They, they wanted to have fun, and so they would play games. 
and they would have fun. They'd have a blast all, all day, and they would come home sweaty at night, and they would take the Axe body spray. Blue Steel was the name. Maybe. I don't know. I made that up. But it sounds right. It sounds like a name to be Axe body spray. And, and they would spray themselves, and they would go out to dinner, and it was cool the first night. The first night, you smelled like Blue Steel. And it was cool the second night, but the third night, bro, this body spray is not going to help. There is a demonic funk that is coming out of your body right now. Axe body spray is not going to do it. Stop trying to cover up what needs to be cleaned out. You don't need body spray. You need a bath. You need a shower. And it was terrible because what happened was is that, is that they would, like on Wednesday, it was like a combination of scents. It was like odor with a little bit of blue steel, which has made it worse. It's worse when you try to cover up something that God wants to clean out. Some of you guys have sprayed success over your hurt, sprayed business over your hurt, spread wealth over your hurt, you know, and you thought that you got rid of it, but you actually just covered up. So you thought you were over that breakup in high school, but somehow that breakup has rolled in to your marriage. You thought you were over the fact that you never received the love of the parent that you needed to, but now you're treating your kids the same way that your parents treated you. Why? Because you were covering up what God wanted to clean out. God wants to clean it out this morning. That's why I love Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was not ashamed. Mary Magdalene was not embarrassed. Mary Magdalene ran to the tomb. She said, roll away the stone. She said, I want to see my pain. I want to see my shame. I want to see it. I want to see it face to face. Why? Look at Mark chapter 16, verse 1. Mark chapter 16, verse 1. Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices, listen, so they could anoint Jesus's body. I love that because she didn't come back to yell at the body. Why did you leave me? She didn't come back to yell at Jesus and say, you know, I, I hate you. I can't believe you. You let me down. She came back to anointing. You know what anointing means? Anointing is, they do it back in the day. They would put oil and they would put spices on the skin so that the skin wouldn't decay. It would preserve the flesh. Now, she never got to use her spices because Jesus was already up out the grave when she got there. But it does not change the fact that she was going there, listen, to preserve the very same past that the disciples are trying to run away from. Because what killed you isn't what happened to you. It's how you see what happened to you. See, the disciples looked at Jesus in the tomb and they thought, it's over. We lost him. But Mary looked at the tomb and she didn't see the failure of Jesus. She saw her salvation. See, Mary used to be a prostitute. Mary had seven demons inside of her. Mary had a history. She was so jacked up that people kept her last name attached to her name. Mary Magdalene. You know what that is? That is Mary from the corner Magdalene. Like Jenny from the block, it was like Mary from Magdalene. It's like... That's who you, who you talking about? Mary Magdalene. Oh yeah, I know her. Yo, I bet you do. Like guys would, like that was her testimony. That was her story attached to her. If anybody had an excuse to move on and get a new life, it was Mary. She could change her last name. She could be a new person, but she chose not to. She chose to come back. She chose to come back and look at her past because when she saw that dead body, she didn't see all the bad things that the Romans had done to Jesus. She saw all the good things that Jesus had done for her, and she wanted to remember those good things and not the bad things. We all got a past. The question is, how do you remember it? How do you remember it? How do you look at it? I love Mary because Mary didn't come to the grave with the stone. She came to the grave with oil, giving God thanks for the things that hurt her, giving God thanks for the things that broke her because she knew 
He got her through it. Maybe instead of looking, and I know that that person left you, and I know that that person abandoned you, and I know that that person betrayed you, but maybe instead of looking at your past for all the people who left you and all the people who who abandoned you. Maybe you ought to, instead of looking for those people, look for the one person who never left you and who got you through it. And then maybe, and then maybe your, our complaints could turn to praise. I want to tell you something I've never said publicly until today. On my phone, there is a, a 15 second video. And I play this video whenever I get scared. I play this video whenever I get nervous. If I'm honest, I played this video before I came up here just a couple minutes ago. I played this video because it's, it's one of the most encouraging videos for me. I don't, I don't look at it often, but it's kind of like my break in case of emergency. I, I look at it when I need to. For those of you who know my story, my wife and I, we, we, we have two kids, but we should have had three. Our third child passed away seven hours after being born, and we kind of knew he was going to go. I mean, we had faith, but we knew it. The doctors were so sure that they actually offered to pay for a videographer to record the whole thing. And Liz and I were like, we don't want to see that. But when he came out, he was so beautiful that I had to grab my phone. And I grabbed my phone, and I took it, and it was 15 seconds. I wanted to grab it before they plugged them with tubes because I knew that they were going to have to do that. And it's the only video we have of him, um, just, a, just a baby. And it's a hurtful video. He's gasping for air. His lungs had not fully developed when he was born. So he's gasping for air. He's struggling to breathe, but he's got these beautiful eyes. And, and there's a reason why I look at that video and I don't get depressed. There's a reason why I look at that video and it encourages me. There's a reason why I look at that video when I get scared or when I feel like I'm a failure. There's a reason why I look at that video when I feel like I can't do anything. Because when I see that video, I don't see what God took away from me. I see what he got me through. I see what he got me through. And the next failure that I face, I look to that and I think, my God, if he could do it for me then, he's going to do it for me again. And I'm just asking you, maybe it's time to roll away the stone from your shame and your past. And instead of being embarrassed of what happened, what if we embraced what happened? What if we start thanking God for the things we used to curse him for? God, I can't believe that she dumped me. I'm telling you, in three years, you're going to be, God, thank you that she dumped me. Some things just look different in reverse. It's not that he took it from you. It's that he saved you from it. What looks like a loss today is learning for tomorrow. What looks like being broken today is being put together for tomorrow. Get some oil. Get some spices. Go to the tomb of your greatest regret. Go to the tomb of your greatest pain. Go to the tomb of your greatest hurt. And thank God for that thing. Because if it wasn't for that, you wouldn't be here. Somebody give God praise. Come on. We got to praise him. We got to praise him for what the world would curse him for. I praise him for. That's the first thing. We got to roll away the stone. And that's Mary's comeback story. I want to talk to you about Peter's comeback story, and we'll close. Peter's comeback story is a little different than Mary's. I shared Mary's comeback story to resonate with anybody who, uh, who was hurt in their past. Anybody who was far, but now you're close. But I, I want to share Peter's comeback story because Peter's comeback story is a little different. Peter's comeback story is for anybody, listen, who you once were close, but now you're far. Because I believe there are people here today on Easter who are coming to church, and when you were younger, like, there's memories of your mom bringing you to church. Like, you used to love church, and you used to enjoy prayer, and you used to have a relationship with God, and you and God used to be really 
tight and something happened. You would identify as a Christian, but not really. And you can remember those trips to Sunday school and you can remember reading the Bible with your mom or your dad and, and you enjoyed it, but something happened along the way. Something shifted. If that's you, I want to share Peter's comeback story. John 21, 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Peter had gone fishing back to his old life, even though, that's what you understand, Peter was a fisherman when Jesus found him, and now Jesus comes back, and he's going back to fishing. So he'd gone back to his old life. That doesn't surprise me. What surprises me is that he'd gone back to his old life, even though he knows Jesus came back from the dead. The Bible says this was the third time, the third time that Jesus appeared to Peter. The third time. You would think after the third time, you, you start planning. You know what I'm saying? You start creating a strategy to get the, change the world. You start raising up money to plant Journey Church Jerusalem or something like that. Like you just getting ready to go make a, make a difference. You'd think that you'd do that, but, but not Peter. He goes back to his old life. But he already saw Jesus resurrected. This is what this tells me. Listen, Peter believed in God. He was just done following him. And I feel like there's a person in this room here today who can relate to that. If I were to ask you, do you believe in God? Do you believe there's a God? You'd probably say, yeah, I do. I just don't want to follow. I'm just done following him. I tried it the first time, and it, it didn't work. And I tried it the second time, and it didn't work. Something happened like Peter. Maybe a great tragedy happened. Or maybe you just got busy. Maybe you just got busy. Maybe you started getting real successful. Things happened that took your focus off of that. You were going good, and then something happened, and then you were going the opposite way. I got good news for you. You can run away from Jesus all you want, but he will never stop running after you. That's why he appeared to them three times, just kept showing up, just popping up when they least expected him. Just Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Anybody ever see Jesus in places that you're like, you're not supposed to see Jesus pops up? That's why when you're done with your Cheerios, you look down at your Cheerios and like six Cheerios have perfectly formed the shape of a cross. You're like, oh my God, it's Jesus. You got mustard on your hamburger. You're like, oh my God, it's Jesus. Look at the beard. He's right there. That's why, you, that's why you get in your car and Z88.3 is on the radio. You, you don't even listen to that station, but every time you turn on your car, Z88.3 is on. Somebody's always inviting you to church, or you always hear that song, or you always walk past that Bible. You know why? Because he's running after you. And he's not going to let you go. He's not going to let you go. Matter of fact, I'll take it a step further. It's because the Bible says that they pulled up their nets and their net was empty. And when their net was empty, they looked over and they saw Jesus. Because sometimes the emptiness is actually Jesus chasing you in disguise. You think that, man, life's messed up and I don't know why I can't be happy anymore. The reason why you're discontent is because God has stolen away the joy that that thing used to give you so that you can find true joy in him. True joy in him. So he says... I love it. Look at the story. So, so, so early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. They didn't know. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? <laughs> Jesus is so funny. How many people know that Jesus is being like so sarcastic right now? You're telling me that the God who knows how many hairs on my head, he doesn't know how many fish are in that boat? He's not asking them because he wants to know. Why do you think he's asking them? he wants them to admit it 
like a parent. Sometimes I walk into a scenario in my home, I know what happened. The first thing out of my mouth is, what did you do? Not because I don't know, but because I need them to admit it. He's saying, Peter, I'm willing to empty your grave, but you got to roll away the stone. Tell me, how's that working for you? That's what I love. Jesus is here today. He's saying, hey, so you, you used to grow up in church and now you don't go to church anymore? Cool, cool, cool. How's that working for you? How many fish have you caught? And, and Peter could, I love, look, I, love, I love verse five. You ready for verse five? Yo, verse five is deep. Look at verse five. No. I love it because he could have said yes and he'd have missed his miracle. He'd have missed his moment. But instead, exhausted and tired, he goes, nah, this ain't working for me. Can you give me something else? Here comes the, here comes the plan. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. And listen, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. Verse eight, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. Here's the first thing you gotta do is roll away the stone. Here's the second thing you gotta do to come back, dive into the sea. Dive into the sea. I love Peter, man. He said, oh, that's Jesus. And he jumps into the water and he starts swimming. And the rest of the disciples are like, we were so close. Like, why were you? And they're looking at Peter like, Peter, why you got to be so extra? Oh, my God, Peter. Like, oh, I'm sorry. God didn't mean to use your name in vain. Oh, oh, Peter. You know, that's what, that's what the disciples saying because God was right there. Anyway, so he's going. They're thinking, Peter, you are so extra. Why did you have to jump? We were just 100 yards. And Peter, you got to imagine it. See the picture. He had just turned his back on Jesus. He had just abandoned Jesus. He comes out of the water. And that's not the sea anymore. That's his baptism. He comes out of the water, dripping all over, smelling like salt water. And he comes up to Jesus. And you know there was an embrace. And he looks at the disciples and he goes, you know what? I am extra. I am extra because I was extra lost and I was extra broken and I was extra hurt and I was extra abandoned and I was extra alone and I was extra sad. But extra grace found me in an extra way when Jesus stepped out of heaven, came down to earth, gave his life on a cross. I'll be extra because extra is what saved my soul. And he gets redeemed to Peter. And the second half of Peter's life is greater than the first. He used to be a disciple that walked with Jesus. And that was awesome. But now the Bible says that people would bring Peter handkerchiefs. And he would touch them. And then they'd take the handkerchiefs and they'd put it on the sick. And they'd get better. And then if they couldn't get a handkerchief from Peter, they'd lay sick people on the floor. And when Peter walked by, if his shadow touched that sick person, that sick person would get well again. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. I know the first half of your life was pretty good. I know the first time you tried Christianity, it worked. The second time, the miracle is in the comeback. The second half of your life is going to be better than the first half of your life. Whether you're coming out of brokenness or whether you're coming out of success, hear me when I tell you that when Jesus gets in it, when Jesus gets in your boat, when Jesus gets in your boat, when Jesus gets in your boat, nets are full. Miracles are happening. Yeah, you're soaking wet, but that's a part of it. Dive into the sea. I want to talk to people today who, for whatever reason, you and God, maybe you're not the tightest right now. And as I'm speaking, 
your heart is on fire because you know that God is talking to you. The, the, the phrase that got Peter in the water was, it is the Lord. When he heard that, he jumped. It is the Lord. Boom, jumped in. It is, it is the Lord today telling you, listen, this is your comeback. This is your comeback. This is your comeback moment. Right here, right now, this is your comeback. And so every head bowed, every eye closed. This is your comeback moment right here, right now with Jesus. I want to count to three. If you're in this room right now and you want to make a decision to come back to the Lord, but I can't promise that I'll be perfect. That wasn't the requisite. For I didn't put perfection up on that screen. I said, roll away the tomb. Roll away the stone. Roll away the stone. Admit that you don't have it all together. Come on, neither do I. I roll away the stone daily. If you're in this room and you want to roll away the stone and dive in this morning head first. When I say three, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I just want you to shoot your right hand up to the sky as a signal and a sign to the Lord. I'm coming back home. Are you ready? All over this place right now. It's time to come back home. Come back home. This is your comeback on three. If that's you all over this building, one, two, three. Right now, shoot that hand up to the sky right now. Right now, who cares who's looking? Who cares what people say or think? Come on, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see it. Come on, you grew up in church or maybe you went through pain. This is your comeback moment. The second half is going to be better than the first. God's got good things for you. Come back, come back, come back. Come on, church. I see that hand. There's so many hands right now. I want to give you one more second. Lift up your hand if you want it. Amen. Come on, I see it. Come on, put your hand down. Church, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Everybody all together, not just the people who raised their hands, but those who did it. Father God, today I'll roll away the stone. I'm tired of pretending I don't want to cover it up anymore. Clean out my grave. Clean out my heart. I want a new start today. Today, I'm diving in. Amen. Amen. Come on, make some noise for everybody who's made a decision to follow Jesus. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, stand on your feet if you're grateful to God for all those who made a decision to come back home today. Come on, keep the praise going one more time. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.